So good to see you guys here again in the house this morning. We have an awesome church family here, Excite Church. Uh, my wife and I came here in 2016. Uh, that's when we first uh, came in here in January, and we were looking for a church, and uh, we went online, and we were looking around trying to find something that might suit us, um, and we, we saw Excite's webpage, and it looked rather exciting, so we thought we'd pop in, and I had this like list of things in my head. Uh, for what a good church would be, you know, and uh, and I'm walking in, and you know, very, I, was, I was quite new in the faith, really, only only a year or so, and uh, and I so I had all these ideals of what a good church would be. And Pastor Paul, I think, was preaching the weekend that I walked in, and uh, it was like he had that list in my head, and he was ticking them all off one by one. And I just thought, man, this is what a great place to belong, what a great place to be planted, what a great place to serve. So I just want to honor you, Pastor Paul and Pastor Ruth, for, um, for having the vision and carrying the mantle for this church for over 13 years now. Yeah, give them a round of applause. So faithful. And, and in those years, my wife and I have been blessed to be able to serve in this house and we understand, we have a revelation of service that it's, it's actually less about us coming here to do a good thing for a community or less about us coming to do a good thing for church or to, you know, to do what we're meant to do as Christians. But there's so much blessing that comes from a life of service. It is what we were created to do. So whether it be here on a Sunday morning or whether it be serving God out in the community or at any other church, service is a way of life for us because that is what God has called each of us into. So just a short encouragement. That's not actually part of my message, praise God. How long have I got? Excellent. Three hours, I think. AGM weekend, isn't it? Hey, we can go for a bit longer. You guys comfy? Did you bring your cushion and your sleeping bag? All right, I'll open up in prayer. We're going to need it. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just thank you so much for this morning, Father. We thank you that we can come here freely in this country to worship and praise you in this place. Lord, this is just a building. The church is the people here. It's about the people, the people, the people. He tangata, he tangata, he tangata. And your people are so loved and called out and separated out by you, Father. We live in a place of blessing. We live in a place of victory, all because of what you've done. Not because we're living a better life, but because you came and gave your life so that we could have a new one. And we're all living in this new life. So, Lord, I just pray that as I, as I preach this morning, those sitting under the sound of my voice would have hearts prepared to receive a good word that there would be good soil ready to receive. And Lord, I just know that each person here was called here for a reason this morning, that they're not sitting in their seat by accident. So Lord, we have an atmosphere of expectation in this house to see you move. In Jesus' name, and all the saints said, amen, amen. amen. Awesome. So we've been preaching on Go With The Flow, and we've been doing it for two months uh, because it's such a great subject. It comes out of the idea of going with the flow of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, living by His Spirit. And we've heard some amazing things, you know, when you walk in the Spirit, all of, all of the fruits, the gifts of the Spirit all come out. And we, we, we live a life of blessing um, that, that, you know, all of, our, all of our issues of life flow from our heart, which has been changed, and all of these amazing words that we've heard. And um, what I'm, who I'm speaking to this morning is the ones that maybe you've gone, yeah, that's a fantastic idea, but my flow doesn't seem to be going. That, that, that's a fantastic idea, but something seems to be stopping the flow of the Spirit in my life, and I'm starting to feel less than because I'm not getting all of these, these things that you guys are talking about. 
It's not happening for me. There's a blockage. So if that's you, if you and, and even if you're coming in and, and you're wrestling with the things of God, I've got a word for you. All right? So we're going we're gonna to bring up Matthew 18, 21 to 35. And if you've got a Bible, you can read along with this passage. I'm going to go through the passage. And um, what I'm trying to get at here is there are certain things that can be stumbling blocks to the flow of the Spirit in our life. There can be certain things that can be stumbling blocks in our walk. And there's one thing in particular I want to focus on this morning. So in Matthew 18, 21, 23, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. We'll go on to the next one. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, back in this day, this was an insurmountable amount of money. He could never pay it, never pay it back over the course of his lifetime. It was, it was impossible. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave the debt. This is a picture of our father, and, and, and basically what Jesus has done, we could never pay back the debt of our separation from God. Not in a thousand lifetimes. You and I could not measure up to the law that was given. So in his compassion and in his mercy and in his complete justice and righteousness, God sent payment for our bill, which was Jesus. So Jesus was sent and that was the ultimate sacrifice that paid the way for all of our sin, for all of our sin that we've done, are doing, and will do in the future. Jesus' blood has covered it all. He didn't come to say that the law was rubbish. He came to actually fulfill the law, fulfill the law for us, pay the price for us. And so we're bought and paid for. Keep that in mind. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. So what did this guy do? He would not, but he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved and came out and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. And what did you do? Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. That's a heavy word, Pastor Reuben. That's a heavy word. Are you sure that's New Testament? <laughs> hey, we're used to grace. We're used to grace in the New Testament. But here we have the Lord saying something that's very important to him for us to forgive one another. 
What is something that can block blessing in our life? What's something that can block? It doesn't separate you from the love of God. Don't get me wrong. Nothing on earth, nothing in heaven or below, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, 28, I think it is, that tells us that. And that's truth. We're not talking about being separated from His love. We're talking about walking in the favor, walking in the blessing. And there's some things from our own doing that we can, we can strangle this, we can, we can stumble ourselves. And one of these key things is unforgiveness. And the Lord really put this on my heart. Now, this is really important to the Lord. And I've got a revelation of this. I'm just going to go on to our next scripture that you've got there, Mark 11, 25. See, this is so important. If you can just take us to Mark eleven twenty-five. There, Steve. Thank you, brother. Mark eleven twenty-five. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. What's the Lord saying? Don't come to me unless you've sorted out your raru-raru. Don't bother coming to me, asking me for stuff, or, or, or trying to talk to me, or trying to pray to me, unless you've sorted something out with your brother. If you're holding on to something, he's saying, what's more important to me is that you have my heart of forgiveness. So why is this? Does he want us, is he, is he trying to force us to be a forgiving, forgiving people? Is he, trying to, is he trying to hammer us into shape? Is it just another rule? Is it just another law? Or is there something deeper here that he's talking about? Let's go on to Ephesians 4, 30, 32. Just want to drum in. Just want to drum in how important this is to God. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Even as God in Christ forgave you. So we're meant to, and this, this is often preached and this is often learned, we're meant to forgive because God first forgave us. Amen? We love because God first loved us. Amen? But I propose to you that we forgive when we live out of the new nature of our born-again spirit. Because it's the very character of God. You see, when we come to the Lord, when we come to the Lord and we receive Jesus into our heart as our Lord and Savior, which I'm going to give you an opportunity to do if you haven't done that at the end of this sermon. When that happens, something much more than just a commitment from you happens. A spiritual rebirth happens. In fact, it says in Scripture that the old is gone and the new is here. That's in, Colo uh, it's in 2 Corinthians 5.17, which I think we have as well there, Steve. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Somebody say, new creation. New creation. Say, I am a new creation. Turn to someone else and say, the old one's dead, I'm new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The baptism that you went through, that was just a funeral service for the old man. And you came out new, a new creature, a new creation, reborn just as Christ was resurrected. It says in the Word that just as we were co 
co-buried with Christ, we were co-resurrected. There is a new birth within us. And our Christian walk is not one of us trying to follow rules that are stipulated in a very big 66-book rule book. It is about walking out in that newness of life, learning how to walk. Sometimes babies, babies take a while to learn how to walk. You're not going to get it right straight away. You're not going to get it right all the time. But we have to learn how to walk again as that new creature. You know, when people have a big accident and then they're brought back from the brink to life and they've, they've been paraplegic and they've got to learn to walk all over again, there's a process there. And I think just as, just as we let go of the old man, just as that old man is dead in all of his ways, it says, it's just, it, shrug off all of the old ways and put on all the new. That's what the word says. So there's a process there. And we have grace with those that are walking through that. We are all walking through that. We have grace with one another. You see, there's a new character of that new man. We're given a new character. We're given a new volition, a new nature. The very core of who we are has changed, and we need to learn to walk from that. And forgiveness is a key to that. Let's look at Colossians 3.13. This is talking about the character of the new man. Character of the new man, Colossians 3.13. This is part of the character of the new man. This, this uh, section of the Bible here is actually called the character of the new man. There's much more in there, and I encourage you to go read it. Homework. That's right, you get homework when I preach here. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. So he's repeating this over and over again in the Word. So it behooves us, it behooves us to listen. I like that word, behooves us. It behooves us to listen. Look at this, an old-fashioned Bible. It's not on my phone. Fantastic. I think um, I'm going to read a little more about the character of the new man. So I'm just going to go off-piste here for a second, Steve. But um, character of the new man, Colossians 3, 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, the elect of God, you have been selected. You think you chose Christ. He chose you. Since before the, the foundation of the earth, he has set you apart in him. You are the elect of God. Yes, that's right. So you're not, you're not the last one chosen on the team. You are the first in God's eyes because you're in Christ. Yeah, you're very special. Your life is worth a lot. You think rent highs in Kitty Well, Jesus paid his life to come and live in you. So... Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now, we don't have a lot of time this morning, so I'm not going to go too into this, but I'm just going to share with you a little bit of a revelation of what I got about why we should forgive. Now, we understand that forgiveness is at the very heart of God. At the very heart of God is this heart for reconciliation. You see, He, you know, he loves that we're all in here, 
Um, he loves that we're all in here, but, it, but to him, we're the 99, and the one is out there, and that's where his heart is. His heart is out there for the one that is lost, and he wants to reconcile them back in the house. That's why for you guys, your hokainga, your job here on a Sunday morning is not just to come and be fattened up by the Word of God and say hi to your mate that you haven't seen for a week. Your job is to welcome in those who don't know the love of God and ex- let them experience the love of God through you. That, that is, a, are you waving at me? Hello. Um, that, that is our job on a Sunday morning. Amen? Amen? So each of us has this job to, to be the light. But the, the, the freeing thing about it is that we don't need to turn it on. He turned it on. He is the light. We just have to walk in that light, and we just have to be that light to others. And part of that is forgiveness, you know? And uh, you might say to me, I, know, I was reading this, and the, and the Lord said, yeah, but look at the preceding chapters in, um, in uh, Matthew 18. I'm going I'm to quickly, quickly take us there. Have I got time, Paul? I think I've got time. Fantastic. Fantastic. I've got two minutes. I'm just going to read this out of the old-fashioned, uh, the old-fashioned book here, Matthew. So bear with me. Matthew 18, 17, 18. Okay, here we go. Now, here's a heavy one, Pastor Reuben. All right, here we go. Dealing with a sinning brother. So we're meant, to, we're meant to show forgiveness, but then the Bible has these passages here about dealing with a sinning brother. So where's the forgiveness in, in these passages? There's still justice. There's still, you know, there's still the fairness of God. Let's, let's, read, let's read through this. How do we deal with someone who sinned against us? Note it says... Moreover, if your brother sins against you, this is the first point, if he sins against you, don't take offense for other people. If someone sins against Wally, I'm not going to be the one to go bail up that person. You know, we have to be careful about how we handle this. If a brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. That's the first step. The Bible is very clear on this. And if we can stick to this, we kill things like gossip, which gossip is just... God does. God hates gossip more than smoking. <laughs> um, if he hears you, you have gained your brother. That shows the heart of how you're meant to approach him. You're going with a heart of reconciliation, not a I told you so. It doesn't say if he has heard. If he has heard you, you showed your brother. No, it says if he has heard you, you've gained your brother. We go with a heart of reconciliation. Yes, but if he will not hear you, uh-oh, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So we take one or two then if they don't hear us. And we go to them and go, hey, you didn't hear me when I went in you one-on-one. So I've called um, Pastor John and Pastor Linda, and uh, they're going to sit here and they're gonna, we're going to talk about this together. Come on. And if he refuses to hear them, then tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Ooh, that doesn't sound very forgiving. Like a heathen and a tax collector. How do we treat heathens and tax collectors? How did Jesus treat heathens and tax collectors? Oh, all of a sudden, they've gone from being a brother in Christ to being even more important one of the one that has left the 99. So you're telling, you, you might say to me, okay, where's the forgiveness in this? Well, I'm telling you, they just got promoted in Jesus' eyes. Hey, all of a sudden, you've got to love them even more. Hey, 
If they've offended you and they haven't listened to you and they haven't listened to Pastor John and Pastor Linda and they haven't listened to the rest of the church, what do we do? Excommunicate them? Do we excommunicate those that don't love God? As they come and, oh, sorry, no, you're a heathen tax collector, get out. No, our heart is for the lost. All of a sudden, our heart should be more for this brother, for reconciliation, for forgiveness. So we see again the heart of God there. The word doesn't contradict itself. Why does it say he, he is like a heathen and a tax collector? Who did Jesus come for? Jesus came for the heathens and the tax collectors. We've got to love them more. Come on. That wasn't even meant to be in my word this morning, but it was. I had this other revelation that I'm going to get to. Do you know, you do not, as a believer in Christ, as a new creation, you do not actually have the right to have unforgiveness in your heart. You gave up that right when you accepted that Jesus bought your life. Your life is not your own. You gave up the right to feel hurt and indignation and disrespect and dishonor because you're bought and paid for. You don't have the right. We gave up our earthly rights. Ooh. Yeah. You no longer have to see this whole, this, the story of the, of the um, unforgiving debtor. I think if, if, the un, if the unforgiving servant, if the servant had not owed his master so much money and gone to him and begged forgiveness, and then the master had given him it all back, had basically said, I'm wiping the slate clean. You know, at that point, that master then had bought and paid for the life of this man, not only him, but his family, because they were all to be sold to slavery. So he effectively, in forgiving the debt, had bought that man's life. Now, if he had come to him and he hadn't owed him anything, and then the master had caught him trying to extract his de- this debt out of this other servant, and then he had thrown him in jail, I don't think the master would have reacted so severely. He would have gone, that's fair enough. He would have gone, that's fair enough, that man owes you money. But the thing is, now this master had bought and paid for the life of this servant, and then this life that he had paid for was going and exhibiting unforgiveness when that was the heart of the master. When we are bought and paid for by Jesus, then we adopt the heart of Jesus. I preached a few weeks ago about creating me, O Lord, a clean heart. Give me that circumcision of the heart. He'll take out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. Where's that heart coming from? It's coming from Jesus. It's coming from God. So when we take on that new heart, when we take on that new volition, unforgiveness doesn't belong there. We've given up the right to be unforgiving. And what we do when we refuse to forgive someone, when we hold on to our little pet grudge, sometimes we like to have these little pets and look after them day by day and think of them often and feed them. You know, like if we like to hold on to these little pet grudges, what we're doing is we're separating ourselves, we're separating ourselves from God. What we're doing is, is we're putting ourselves back in the prison and, and, and trying to lock ourselves back up. And Jesus is outside the cage. He's going, what are you doing? I broke the lock. You can go sit in that cell if you like, and all the rules of that cell will apply to you if you put yourself back in there. It says in Romans, whatever you obey, you become a slave to. 
That Jesus has freed you from that. He's broken the seal on that cage. He's opened it up. And you, sit, you, you walk out in the cage and you go, this freedom is fantastic. Oh, it's a little bit unusual. Uh, I'm not used to this. Actually, I'm just going to go sit back in the cage for a little bit. And close the door. This is familiar. And Jesus is outside and he's going, I freed you from that. And what, when we're exhibiting unforgiveness, we're just putting ourselves back in the cage. And you say to me, Reuben, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what that person did to me. You're talking about unforgiveness for someone who didn't pay you back money or something like that. You're not talking about the deeper things. I have some deep emotional scars from some people. They are harder to let go. You do not know what they did to me. And that's true. I don't know what they did to you. But I know what Jesus did for you. I know the price that Christ paid to free you from that. And it behooves you, it behooves you to walk in that freedom. Amen? Amen. But the very start of that, the very start of walking in that freedom is understanding and believing that He actually did what He did. That He actually came to earth. All God became a man, was born of a woman, lived his life here, ministered here, and then went to the cross and paid the ultimate price so that you could be free from the old man. That's where it starts. 